What's up, everybody? I'm Ken Crump. This is Positronic Drive TV. Today, we're going to continue our study of the end times. This is part three, and it's entitled, The Significance of Israel in End Times Prophecy. You know, everything in end times prophecy revolves around Israel. Without Israel, there is no end times prophecy. There has been a number of failed end times predictions throughout history. Many people attempted to tie World War I and World War II into biblical prophecy. And uh, I think if you lived during those periods and saw the horror of war and the economic devastation, uh, I, I can understand why people would think that. And I can understand it's pretty reasonable to, uh, to, to understand that. And, and I think any time in history, world history, where you have um, a war or you have uh, some type of disease, that, that uh, some type of pandemic, or you have starvation, you have economic downturn, I think any time you see these things, people are tempted to think that that's the end or think that that's the end times. There's also been numerous cults over the years that have predicted the end of the world and Obviously, and they try to date the end of the world, and Jesus said, you don't know the day or the hour, so obviously um, those are false. And But all these things have failed because people didn't follow Scripture. It is vital for us not to be overly influenced and too caught up in current events when interpreting end-time Scripture that we um, incorrectly put our current situation into those events. Now, obviously, if you're going to uh, be looking for the end or search our t end time scriptures, you're going to be looking around at what's going on around you, obviously, for clues. But you just don't want to overemphasize that stuff too much. So one of the most important aspects of end times prophecy is the existence of an Israeli state. Many of the prophecies that relate to end times speak of Israel existing as a nation. And we can see uh, the numerous uh, times that Israel has had to deal with um, invading nations. They had the Babylonians, you had the Medes and the Persians, you had the Greeks, you had the Romans, uh, and then eventually the Romans just completely destroyed Jerusalem. And at the very end, the Jews uh, around 70 AD and, and beyond, you see the Jewish people being spread out throughout the entire world. So let's take a look at Matthew 24, verses 1 and 2. It says, Jesus left the temple and was walking away when his disciples came up to him and called his attention to its buildings. Do you see all these things, he asked? Truly, I tell you, not one stone here will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. Matthew 24, 1 and 2. You know, I was listening to... Uh, an interview with Andy Stanley uh, this past week. And Andy Stanley, of course, is Charles Stanley's son. <clears throat> uh, Andy has a, a huge mega church. It has multiple, it's a multi-site church. Um, he's a great teacher. He's becoming one of my favorites. And But I thought one of the questions that, that he was asked, and I thought this was very interesting, I, I just totally didn't see coming what, what he said, uh, the, this person asked him, he said, what's your favorite Bible verse? And I thought, you know, he's uh, he's one of these preachers that, that keeps pretty positive, you know, and he's about, 
I thought he'd say Jeremiah 29, 11, you know, God's for you. God's blessing you. God wants to bless you. All these, you know, some positive scripture. That's what I thought. Um, that's what I thought he would say, but he didn't say it. He said, Matthew 24 and, uh, one and two. And I was like, really, that's the scripture that you, it's your favorite scripture. And she asked him why. And he said, because it's such a specific prophecy. He said so specific, and, and you look today, and that's what the Romans did. They would take, when they invaded a country or when they wanted to destroy a country, they would totally destroy it. They would tear down the buildings and tear down the stones and not let one stone lay upon another. Um, and it's a very specific prophecy. Now, liberal scholars, when they post-date the book of Matthew and others, they they put the date beyond 70 AD. And the reason is because they're not objectively coming up with a date. They presuppose that there's no way that the Bible is true. There's no way that prophecy is true. So it has to be past 70 AD. So that clouds their judgment and it makes them, uh, uh, it's really, it's theology by assumption more than an objective view of the facts and coming to a conclusion. And conservative scholars uh, sometimes do a similar thing in that um, they're so afraid that the scriptures will be found to not be true that they push in the other direction and they fight for a young date. And the reality is about dating the Gospels is you cannot conclusively say exactly when they were made. But the thing is, how in the world are you going to get everybody to everybody that's written scripture to be part of this huge conspiracy to post-date scripture. In other words, just, I mean, what they're insinuating is that people just made this stuff up, that people are lying. So you have a faith that being honest is part of its creed, part of what we believe as Christians, but you have people that deliberately and knowingly created a false narrative to advance an agenda. An agenda that, for the most part, its history got pe- got its own people killed. You know, a lot of almost all the apostles we believe were probably martyred. You know, Jesus was crucified. Who would commit fraud to do that? Now, either the scriptures are true, and this was written prior to that, or people are committing this this huge conspiracy, and they have to have committed this conspiracy throughout the entire Bible because there is continuity there. So Jesus, with pinpoint accuracy, predicted the destruction of the temple by the Romans in 70 AD, and only the temple wall remained. So another thing we need to look at regarding Israel is the seven-year, what's called the time of Jacob's trouble. It's referenced numerous times in in Scripture, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Uh, Revelations 11, 2, and 3 says this, it says, but exclude the outer court, do not measure it, because it has been given to the Gentiles. They will trample on the holy city for 42 months, and I will appoint my two witnesses, and they will prophesy for 1,260 days clothed in sackcloth. So 42 months equals three and a half years. Uh, 1,260 days equals three and a half years based on a 360-day year, which was what it was at the time of the writing uh, of the book of Revelation. And also in the book of Daniel, if you look up these scriptures, 
uh, chapter 7, verse 25, chapter 9, verse 26, chapter 12, verse 7, also speaks of a seven-year period, and within that seven-year period, it speaks of two, three-and-a-half-year periods. Uh, Matthew 24, 21, 22, Jesus said this, For then there will be great distress, unequaled from the beginning of the world until now, and never to be equaled again. If those days had not been cut short, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be shortened. So Jesus cuts those days short because otherwise the world would destroy itself. So that's the end of that seven-year period is what Jesus is talking about here. Now, after the fall of Jerusalem in 70 AD, the Jewish people were displaced throughout the known world. Deuteronomy 28 and 64 through 68 says this, Then the Lord will scatter you among all nations, from one end of the earth to the other. There you will worship other gods, gods of wood and stone, which neither you or your ancestors have known. Among those nations you will find no repose, no resting place for the sole of your foot. There the Lord will give you an anxious mind, eyes weary with longing and a despairing heart. You will live in constant suspense, filled with dread both night and day, never sure of your life. In the morning you will say, if only it were evening, and in the evening, if only it were morning, because the terror that will fulfill your hearts and the sights that your eyes will see. The Lord will send you back in ships to Egypt on a journey I said you should never make again. There you will offer yourselves for sale to your enemies as male and female slaves but no one will buy you. Now, when we look at the history of the Jewish people from the time of 70 AD and the beginning of the dysphoria and how they were dispersed throughout the whole world, up until now, that's a very good description of what their life has been. So back in Deuteronomy, Moses told them what would happen. He prophesied that this is what's going to happen to the Jewish people, God's chosen people. Uh, Jesus also spoke of a time when the Jews would be scattered. In Luke 21, 23, and 24, he said, How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. There will be great distress in the land and wrath against his people. They will fall by the sword and will be taken as prisoners to all nations. Jerusalem will be trampled on by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. So again, Jesus uh reiterates what Moses had said. He talks about a time when the Jews would be spread throughout the, throughout the earth. So for 2,000 years, the Jews have wandered the earth only to be persecuted everywhere they go. In Deuteronomy 28, 45 through 47 says this, All these curses will come on you. They will pursue you and overtake you until you are destroyed because you did not obey the Lord your God and observe the commands and decrees we gave you. They will be a sign and a wonder to you and your descendants forever because you did not serve the Lord your God joyfully and gladly in the time of prosperity. Now, Deuteronomy 28 uh, is a fairly well-known section of the Bible. Uh, the first half of that chapter talks about all the blessings that come upon uh, the followers of God. Uh, in the Old Testament, of course, it was a follower of Yahweh, follower, follower of uh, Jehovah. Today we follow Jesus, um, but the same same God, both in Old Testament and New Testament, and the same story 
really, if you are obedient to God, if you follow his will, you will be blessed. If you disobey and you're disobedient, you will be cursed. And and that doesn't just apply to the Jewish people, but this this was spoken to Jews only at the time. But it, it applies to everybody. It applies to those of us uh, who are Gentile believers. Um, we also will suffer the same fate. So this is not uh, something we say um, to be anti-Semitic in any way, shape, or form. Okay, but the Jews rejected their Messiah, and this is why a lot of these things happened to them. And let me be very, very clear, because racists and anti-Semites use this type of doctrine to advance an agenda of anti-Semitism. And I want to be very clear, that's not what we're talking about here. Any type of racism, anti-Semitism, or any type is a sin. It's wrong. It's hate. And it should never, ever be condoned or advanced uh, by Christians, ever. But we're talking about here a prophecy in the Old Testament. We're talking about a history that that is there. Now, I, I think if you were, I, I would never go up to a Jewish person and say that to them like that. I'd be very careful how I said that because I can see how that would be offensive. But we we have to tell the truth, but we need to speak the truth in love. We don't need to be rude or or condescending or or anything like that. So I think when you're talking about these issues, you have to be very careful and respectful of people. So there are three vital end-time events regarding Israel. Number one is that Israel is a sovereign nation. So in the end times, you will see these three things. Israel is a sovereign nation. Number two, the Jews repossess old Jerusalem. And number three, they rebuild the temple on its original site. So we're talking about Israel's prophetic restoration or the return of the Jews to Israel. So before we talked about the dysphoria where they were dispersed throughout the world, now you see the Jews returning. Ezekiel 38.8 talked about this. It says, after many days you will be called to arms. In future years you will invade a land that has recovered from war. After many days you will be called to arms. In future years you will invade a land that has recovered from war, whose people were gathered from many nations to the mountains of Israel which had long been desolate. They had been brought out from the nations, and now all of them live in safety. Well, what exactly does this scripture mean? What, what does it imply for the Jewish people? Well, number one, when you're talking about later years or later days in the Old Testament, it's commonly understood to mean the time of Israel's complete restoration. Number two, this restoration is after years of war and absence. The quote from the verse is, has recovered from war, the mountains of Israel, which had long been desolate, which implies that there had been war and that the people, these people that it spoke of were gone for a, for a period of time. Number three, the Jewish people are returning from exile. And in the quote, it says, whose people were gathered from many nations to the mountains of Israel. So it speaks of a people that are all over the place coming back to Israel. And number four, Israel's establishment of prosperity will bring a great enemy from the north. And we'll talk about those scriptures in another session. Um, but these are everything that um, these scriptures are talking about. Israel is talking about them returning for, from being all over the world. We see these scriptures in the Old Testament. We see them in the New Testament. Um, when Israel started in 1948, it had 806,000 people. 
uh, today are 806,000 Jews. And today we have over 6.8 million Jews residing in the promised land of Israel. Now, there are more people that are Israeli citizens. There's a, a little over a million that are Arabs and other other uh, uh, people groups. But there are 6.8, almost 7 million Jews in Israel today. And every day that number gets bigger and bigger. You see a lot of people returning to Israel. So what were Jesus' prophecies about Israel in the end times? Well, uh, number one, uh, his, his disciples asked him, when will you return to establish your kingdom reign? So in Matthew 24, 1 through 3, we've read these scriptures before, but I'm going to read them again. Um, Jesus left the temple and was walking away when his disciples came up to him to call his attention to its buildings. Do you see all these things, he asked? Truly, I tell you, not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? That's found in Matthew 24, 1 through 3. So what were what were Jesus's prophecies about the end time? So the Matthew's response or Jesus's response in Matthew 24, 4 through 8, Jesus said, Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. That's Matthew 24, 4 through 8. Now, now take note of that last, that last line. All these are the beginning of birth pains. So in Jesus' answer, when they asked him when these things would happen, he describes apostasy. He describes war, revolutions. He describes earthquakes and famines, etc. But all these things have existed throughout history. So why would that be the answer to a question about prophecy? Well, birth pains, now I, I have not experienced this because I'm a man, but I've watched my wife deliver a child, and I've watched the process, and I know from watching, first of all, that it's incredibly painful and makes me glad I'm a man, but I appreciate womanhood, and I appreciate my wife, and I appreciate um, their experience and their journey. Um, I'm glad it's not mine, but um, birth pains are a signal to the mother that their child is about to be born into the world. Doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter what time you lived in, if you lived, you know, tens of thousands of years ago or millions of years ago, uh, you didn't have to have a degree, you didn't have to have a, a medical degree. Every woman knows when the baby's coming because she starts feeling birth pains. And the second thing about birth pains, they tend to increase both in intensity and frequency prior to birth. So you know something's coming. In this case, it's a baby. And prior to that baby coming, you're going to have an increase in intensity and frequency of birth pains. So the birth pains Jesus was talking about was war, famine, uh, distress, revolution, uprisings. And we see that today. And basically what Jesus is saying is that when you see these things constantly happen, when they happen over and over and they become more and more frequent, it's like every day it's something new. Every day it's something worse. Every day it's something more. You know that his coming is soon. 
Jesus also made numerous references to Israel being a nation when these events took place. In Matthew 24, 15, it talks about how the temple exists. In Matthew 24, 16, it says those in Judah fleeing to the mountains. So they were, the events happened in Israel. And in Matthew 24, 20, it mentions the Sabbath being in place. So the Sabbath law uh, being reinstituted. So you can look those up for yourself, but that's those are different references that show that these things happen in Israel, that all these events are tied in to the existence of Israel. Now, some people will say, but yeah, but all this prophecy stuff that's happened in 70 AD or, or in other events in, in our history, so all this has already been fulfilled. This stuff about this being future prophetic uh, beliefs is nonsense, right? So when we examine Scripture, uh, there's a very important hermeneutical aspect to it. it has to do with interpretation and how those interpretations are applied. Now, hermeneutics is the, the discipline, the academic discipline of the study of Scripture and how we interpret it. So the Scripture has one interpretation, but many applications. In other words, there's one specific interpretation for a verse of Scripture or a passage, uh, and, but there are other applications you can draw from that same verse. Most evangelical scholars believe those scriptures had a dual fulfillment, both in 70 A.D. and in the future. Many of the things that happened in 70 A.D. and at other times in the past, those events were things that foreshadowed or were used as an example for what is to come. Jesus talked about the parable of the fig tree in regard to Israel. Matthew 24, 32-35. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see all these things, you know that it is near right at the door. Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. So, you know, this, this it's kind of hard to understand this, this scripture if you live in the tropics, but most of uh, the northern and southern ha- hemispheres have seasons, and one of those seasons is winter, where all the trees and the plants go dormant. It looks like they're dead, but they're not. They're alive. They just shed their leaves, and uh, everything just looks looks dead. But then when spring comes, little buds pop up, and little buds, that turn into leaves. So you know, oh, look, there's buds on the tree. Summer's almost here. So even if you didn't have a calendar, you would know what's coming, right? So that was his He's saying, when you see all these things, when you see all these events I'm talking about, know that it's near. Know what's coming. Just like birth pangs tell a woman what's coming. The the buds that are on the tree in the springtime tell you what's coming. Pay attention to what's going on around you so you know what's coming. There's also prophecies found in Zechariah chapters 12 through 14. We're not going to read these. Um, but it talks about, number one, the siege of Jerusalem by all nations. That's found in 12 and 1 through 3. The battle in and around Jerusalem, 12 and 4 through 9. Uh, the revelation of Jesus as Messiah, 12 and 10. Repentance and faith, repentance and forgiveness of Israel, 12 and 11 through 14. And the return of the Messiah, chapter 14, 1 through 21. You're free to look those up, Zechariah chapters 12 through 14. All these are prophecies of the rise of Israel and the second coming. So as you can see in the scripture, there are many different uh, testimonies to the same thing. All these scriptures work together. You have the book of Revelation. You have Matthew chapter 24 and other things that Jesus said. 
you have some prophecies found in the epistles, not as much, but you have some there. You have uh, the books of the prophets. You have the book even in, in the law. It talks about prophetically, it talks about these times and talks about the Jewish people and talks about the Messiah. And here's another one we're going to look at, Daniel 9, 25 through 27. Now, this talks about in the end time uh, that the temple will be uh, in place. So we know this from this scripture that the temple will have to have been rebuilt during the time of the Antichrist coming and during the time of the apocalypse. It says, know and understand this. From the time the word goes out to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the anointed one, the ruler, comes there will be seven sevens and sixty-two sevens. It will be rebuilt with, it will be rebuilt with streets and a trench, but in times of trouble. After the sixty-two sevens, the anointed one will be put to death and will have nothing. The people of the ruler who come will destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end will come like a flood. War will continue until the end, and desolations have been decreed. He will confirm a covenant with many for one seven. In the middle of the seven, he will put an end to sacrifice and offering. And at the temple, he will set up an abomination that causes desolation until the end that is decreed is poured out on him. And again, that's Daniel 9, 25. Through 27, Matthew 24, 15 says, When you see standing in the holy place the abomination that causes desolation spoken of through the prophet Daniel, let the reader understand. So Jesus quoting this very scripture, talking about uh, and tying the two together, talking about the latter days and talking about when the Antichrist will come. Um, now, people will say, again, you have people that are, are critics of Bible prophecy and of the scripture in general, and they'll say, in 167 BC, a Greek ruler, Antiochus Epiphanes, set up an altar to Zeus over the altar of the burnt offerings in the Jewish temple in Jerusalem. He also sacrificed a pig on the altar. Now, what Daniel was talking about, because some of what Daniel prophesied in 927 did not occur in 167 BC, Antiochus Epiphanes did not confirm a covenant with Israel for seven years. It is the Antichrist who in the end times will establish a covenant with Israel for seven years and then break it by doing something similar, the abomination of desolation and the Jewish temple in Jerusalem. So this was not what Daniel was talking about because many of the events that Daniel prophesied in Daniel 9.27 didn't occur in 167 B.C. Um, that covenant was made with the Antichrist, not with this Greek ruler. All right. so. In the end times, it said he will establish a covenant with Israel for seven years and then break it by doing something similar to the abomination of desolation in the Jewish temple in Jerusalem. So again, I think you have a foreshadowing here in history. It's God showing us what will happen. You know, God gives us lots of clues in the Bible and in history. If we will just pay attention to what's going on around us and pay attention to those clues and pay attention to the scripture. So again, I'm going to recap regarding Israel. There's three things that, that will happen um, before the end, or three things that will have happened when the end comes. Number one, that Israel is a sovereign nation. Well, that's done. That one has happened. Number two, the Jews will repossess old Jerusalem. Now, did that happen? Well, maybe. You know, there's a lot of shifting of, uh, of, of authority groups in Jerusalem. Uh, the Arabs claim it. The Jews claim it. They kind of they're kind of in a in a situation where they share it right now. 
And number three, they will rebuild the temple on its original site. Now, the problem with that is that they cannot um, build on that site right now because that's where the Dome of the Rock is. That's one of, that's, I believe, Islam's second most holy site. And that's a big stumbling block. That's a big uh, problem there. So, however that comes to be, however that comes to pass, um, we'll have to see. You know, it could be a natural disaster. It could be a foreign country bombing it. It could be something Israel does. I don't know. We don't know. But that would seem to be something uh, that still has come to pass. I've even heard theories that they will tunnel under the Dome of the Rock and build a temple underground. I don't know if that's legitimate or even something that would be following Scripture, but I've heard that. You know, I've heard that that uh, uh, theory about how this could be fulfilled. Um, so this is basically what we're talking about here. Um, we're talking about Israel and the importance of Israel. Again, you cannot ignore Israel when talking about uh, the latter days, when talking about the apocalypse. Everything pivots around the nation of Israel. The Israel is the cornerstone. Israel is the key. And if we pay attention to these events and read these scriptures and study these scriptures and understand them in context, uh, you can see what's happening. And you can see right now. Now, some a lot of people, you know, people have uh, right now we're at a time, you know, when I'm doing this broadcast, we're still in, in, in the throes of coronavirus. And people say, oh, my God, is this a prophetic sign? I don't think it's a specific prophetic sign, but I think it's part of what we're talking about it's a plague of some type it's a pandemic it's a disease it's affecting the whole world that nobody saw coming it just shuts everything down you know and i think the person that is a believer that's awake that's paying attention you know people talk about being woke you know uh, when people talk about being woke regarding social issues well people need to be woke regarding scripture and, and Christian issues. You know, there's a lot of people that aren't woke there. And I think people that are awake, people that are paying attention, you look at these things, you look at these events. So you have events like war, you have events like revolution, you have events like um, uh, this type of disease thing, or, you know, the Bible talks about disease, it talks about famine, it talks about war, it talks about all these things during the, the latter days. So I think when you see these things increasing, when you see these things happening over and over, when you see them, be, they're, they're becoming more of these things and the intensity. And each, each time they're like a greater intensity, know that Jesus is close, that Jesus is coming, is near. And, and I want to say one more thing before we close this session out. And this is what we talked in the very first session and talked about the second session. I'm going to say it again. I'm going to say it every time we have this. The second coming of Christ, the apocalypse, is not about death and destruction. That's part of it. It's about Jesus coming back to restore the world to the Eden it's supposed to be. That is good news, not bad news. And people are afraid, and they should be afraid. But you need to understand that God wants to protect you. And if you look at the scripture, you look at Noah, you look at Lot, you look at these stories, God pulls his people out. And we're going to talk about that in a subsequent uh, session. We're going to talk about the rapture. We're going to talk about whether people are here, whether people are not here, when the, the really bad stuff happens um, and the different views that there are there. 
But the story is that the, the climax of this story is that Jesus rules and reigns as king. Jesus is going to come and establish his kingdom. He's going to end this war. He's going to stop the devil. People are finally going to realize the hard way. You know, you can learn things the easy way. You can learn things the hard way. I'm, I'm begging you to learn things the easy way. If you go through all this because you don't want to be on the wrong side of history when this happens. People talk about being on the wrong side of history all the time when it comes to, um, you know, political issues. But I'm telling you, this is the biggest wrong side of history you don't want to be on the wrong side of. So you want to make sure that you're in the boat. You want to make sure, just like Noah, you know, you need to be in that boat to be safe. And you need to be in the boat here. You need to be in Christ. You need to make sure, however this plays out, that you're ready when Jesus comes back. That you're ready when you pass away, when you die. You need to be ready. It's essential that we're waiting. You don't need to live in fear. You need to live in great expectation of the good that's coming and bringing. And this is what we need to be doing right now. Everything we need to be doing needs to be related to this right here. Because you have people trying to fix the world. You know, you have people, Christians, trying to go out there and, and make the government better and, and doing things that, well, at least what they think is better. And, and the reality is those things have a time and a purpose, but our main purpose is to get as many people saved before Jesus comes. Because when Jesus comes, that's it. It's over. And you're either right or you're wrong. You're either in the boat when the rains come, you're either outside of Sodom and Gomorrah when the fire falls from heaven, or you're there and you get killed. It's vital that people are in Christ when this happens, that they know Jesus. So we're going to continue this set. We're going to continue this study uh, in future sessions. We're going to talk about all kinds of things. We're going to talk about the reign of the Antichrist. We're going to talk about the rapture. We're going to talk about uh, the timing and how those things work together in future sessions. But uh, I'm so glad you listened today. Thanks for thanks for hanging out with us. Thanks for listening. I hope this has been of benefit to you and helps your faith to grow. God bless. Thanks for listening. Positronic Drive TV podcast is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Breaker, CastBox, and Overcast. If you like our podcast, please subscribe to your preferred program. It'd also be awesome if you follow us on Instagram and Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can also donate through Anchor and help us spread the message of God's love. Hope this has been a blessing to you. God bless you.